Well, thank you for joining us again online. We're now a month into our suspended gatherings, and um, I miss you all dearly. Uh, I miss seeing your smiles and shaking your hands at the end of service. I miss the sound of your voices as we sing and, and worship together. I miss seeing our church full of people and, and full of life as we serve and gather together as a community. And I don't know when we'll be able to resume our regular Sunday services, but when we do, um, I'm just imagining how, how sweet it's going to be, you know, how life-giving, how dynamic it's going to feel for us to gather again as the people of God on the Lord's Day. And I hope that we never take for granted uh, the privilege and beauty of Sunday worship again. But until we gather, I'm praying for all of us to be strong and steadfast in faith. In the midst of illness and fear, in the midst of unemployment and uncertainty, in the midst of isolation and exhaustion, I'm praying that God would make us a steadfast people and a steadfast church. And that's what this series has been all about. It's been all about uh, learning what it means to be steadfast as a people of faith during turbulent times. And we started the series with Psalm 46 and this beautiful reminder that God is our refuge and an ever-present help in times of trouble. Then after that, we were reminded that though we are weak and vulnerable as jars of clay, that in our hearts, through the beauty and knowledge of Jesus Christ, we have a treasure that is incorruptible, a treasure that is eternal and glorious in store for us. And last week, we were called to build our lives on Jesus Christ as our rock and as a firm foundation in the midst of every storm. Well, today, I want to give a fourth insight, a fourth word of encouragement and exhortation on how to be steadfast in the midst of trials. And the way to do that is for us to live with purpose, to live with purpose. I know that right now during this shelter at home mandate, uh, many of us are waking up without a sense of purpose. There are no classes to go to, um, no friends to meet up. Uh, we're furloughed from work or we're trying to work from home. And so a lot of people um, are sleeping in. A lot of people uh, don't have a, a schedule or routine. The days are, are just bleeding into one another. We just forget uh, what day it is, what time it is. And, and those things don't seem, nothing seems to matter as much anymore. And I feel like now more than ever, we need to remember that, that we're not an idle, aimless people. That as Christians, as citizens of God's kingdom, we are always called to live with a purpose. We must always remember that we are a people on mission, called to live out and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in and out of every season. We need to remember why God has given us life why he's given us time and resources in this world. And we need to be reminded that we must not just bury our talents in the sand, but to use all that we have for the good of others and the glory of God. Abraham Lincoln is considered by many to be uh, the greatest president in the history of our country. He led our nation through the perils of the Civil War. He was able to reunite uh, the Union he delivered the Gettysburg Address and the Emancipation Proclamation to abolish slavery in this country. But many of us are unaware of the deep darkness and anguish he experienced during his presidency. In the early years of the Civil War, the Union forces actually experienced defeat after defeat at the hands of the Confederates. 
And during this time, President Lincoln made statements like this. Well, we are whipped again, and I am afraid. If there is a worse place than hell, I am in it. That's dark. If there's a worse place than hell, then I am in it. This war is eating my life out. I have a strong impression that I shall not live to see the end. For President Lincoln, many of his days were long and his nights were dark as our president. But what kept him going during this season, during this time, was his faith in God and his vision for a reunited country. He was clear and resolved in his purpose. And when asked whether he believed the union would win the war, he said this, he said this, he said, I am not bound to win, but I am bound to be true. I am not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to what light I have. That's what he said. Imagine the president saying, I'm not bound to succeed, but I am bound to live up to what light I have. Church, Abraham Lincoln was a devout Christian. He saw and knew the light of Christ and he knew that he was called to shine that light as our president in one of our darkest hours. We're looking at a familiar passage today from Matthew chapter 5. And just like last week, it's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. And just like every week, it's going to go up on the screen. May God bless the reading of his holy and matchless word. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen. The word of the Lord. Well, the first thing we need to ask as we look at this passage is this. Who is Jesus talking to? Who is he talking to? Because he starts with this statement, you, you are the salt. You are the light. And the answer is he's talking to his disciples. His disciples had gathered around him for this sermon on the mount. He's addressing his followers. And today, for us, his words are for his church, for his disciples you and I as followers of Jesus Christ. And so we need to embrace this. We we need to realize that Jesus isn't just talking to other people. He's talking to us. He's calling us to action. He's calling us to remember our identity, our responsibility. He's calling us to live out kingdom citizenship in this world. The second thing I want us to ask is, well, what does he say about us? He's talking to us and what is he saying about us? Well, Jesus tells us that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. Now, when you hear that, what do you think? If, if someone were to tell you, hey, you are the light of the world, I think a lot of us would feel reluctant. I certainly do. I would say, no, it's not me, Jesus. Jesus is the light of the world, John eight twelve, And that's absolutely true. Jesus is the true and ultimate light of the world. But he says it here very plainly. You are, you and I are. 
It's not only that Jesus is the light of the world. Every Christian is called to be the light of the world. And we need to be able to simultaneously hold those two truths in our hands. Jesus is the true and ultimate light of the world. But we too, as followers of Jesus, we are the light of the world as well. So how does that work? Because a lot of times we think mutually exclusive. It has to be one of us. It can't be all of us or both of us, right? Well, is it that Jesus has a lot of light and we have some light? Is it that Jesus is the greatest light and we're just like ordinary, second-class, third-class lights? Well, I want to say that's not it. A better way to understand uh, how this works is with another metaphor. And it's that Jesus is the sun and we are like the moon. Okay, Jesus is like the sun and we are like the moon. And during the day, the sun itself, it shines brightly and it shines beautifully, giving life and warmth and light to the earth. But at night when the sun sets and the moon rises, we have moonlight. But unlike the sun, the moon doesn't shine with its own light. The moon can't produce its own light. What the moon does, what moonlight offers us, is light that comes from the sun. The moon reflects the sun's light onto the earth in the middle of the night. Friends, this is how you and I, this is how you and I are the light of the world. As we fix our gaze, as we set our hearts and we imitate our lives around the life and light of Jesus Christ, we then are the light of the world. Okay? We are not the light in ourselves. We reflect the light of Christ. And by doing so, we live out that identity and that call. The famous preacher, uh, Dr. Donald Barnhouse, he took this illustration and then he asked his church, okay, so Jesus is the sun and we are the moon. But what kind of moon are you? What kind of moon are you? Are we, are we a full moon radiating and reflecting the light of Christ with all that we are, with every surface, right? With all of our surfaces. Or are we a waning or waxing crescent? You guys remember that from grade school when you learned the different phases of the moon, right? Are we a waning or waxing crescent just barely shining in the darkness of night? Or maybe right now, because we are sheltered at home, we feel like it's a full lunar eclipse. I'm not reflecting much of Jesus at all, okay? Well, how are you reflecting Christ today? I'd love for you to reflect on that and ask yourselves that. What practical ways are we showing one another, showing our families, showing our neighbors the light, the beauty, the goodness of Jesus Christ? The third thing I want to ask is this. What is the role of salt and light? Okay, so Jesus is talking to us and he's telling us that we are salt and light. And what is the role of salt and light for us to better understand this passage? What is our purpose as salt and light in this world? Theologian John Stott, he makes this observation. Salt and light have one thing in common. They give and expend themselves. The function of salt is to prevent decay. And the function of light is to illuminate the darkness. And he goes on to say, so Jesus calls his disciples to exert a double influence on the secular community. To arrest its decay and bring light into its darkness. To stop the spread of evil and promote the spread of truth, beauty, and goodness. And this is why I realize I have a reluctance towards um, this title to be the salt of the earth. 
this title of being the light of the world. I love being called a son of God. I love being called a, a, um, a, a disciple of Christ or a, a citizen of God's kingdom. It, it talks about my relationship to Jesus. I, I love that, right? And, and, and it's, it's comforting, it's life-giving, it's powerful. But then for me to embrace this identity, this calling to be salt and light, it's immediately missional. It's a responsibility I have. It's not just a a description of my relationship to Jesus. It's actually a a relationship or a description of my relationship to the world. My responsibility to the world. And and if you're like me and and a lot of us, um, there are certain responsibilities we don't want to bear. We don't want to carry. But Jesus is saying, if you are my follower, if you are my disciple, you must bear this. You must embrace this call and this responsibility to be salt and light to the world. And isn't this what the world needs today? Death and decay are all around us. And I'm not just talking about the coronavirus itself. From that, stemming from this pandemic, we see the full effect of sin manifesting all throughout our world. It's triggering prejudice and bigotry against Asian American communities. It's triggering greed and hoarding all throughout our country. I mean, um, it, I am not a hoarder at all. But when I go into the store and I see empty shelves and only one or two leftover items, even if I don't need it, I feel like I should grab it, right? That, 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 that experience of scarcity and lacking, it, 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 it yeah, very triggering for me. We see um, indifference. We see injustice. We see people who have means getting better treatment, better testing, better health care than people who lack financial and influential means. That's injustice. And God is calling us to be salt in this world. He's calling Christians to prevent its decay. He's calling Christians to fight and uh, to fight and stop the spread of evil in this world. Friends, if we don't do this, we're not only disregarding the words of Jesus, we're failing the world. Let me say that again. If we do not live out this call and identity to be salt and light in the world, we're not just disregarding Jesus, that's disobedience, that's sin, but we're also failing the world. The world needs us to proclaim the goodness of God. The world needs us to proclaim the truth and the hope and the life that the gospel alone affords lost people. The world needs it. If we don't do it, if Christians, if the church doesn't proclaim the gospel, who will? And the world needs, it needs us to prevent its decay. It needs God's people to stand against evil, to make a stand against injustice, to care for those who are on the fringes and the outskirts of our community. Jesus warns us of failing the world as salt and light. And he says there's two ways, two ways where we can fail the world, two ways we can disregard and dishonor his commands. And the first is by losing our saltiness. And the second is by keeping our light under a lampshade. Now, Jesus isn't talking about changing the chemical and physical properties of NACL. Uh, That's for our chemistry geeks or buffs. 
uh, he's speaking again metaphorically. He's speaking metaphorically and actually experientially to the uh, first century uh, experience. The way a salt rock would be considered less salty would be if it was filled with impurities. So if somebody picked up a salt rock and tasted it, if it was more pure, then it's a very salty rock and then they would collect it, mine it, process it, whatever it might be. But if they licked it and tasted it, it's like, oh, it's very mildly salty. It meant that there were a lot of other substances, a lot of other uh, materials in that rock. It was filled with impurities. And so what they would do is say, hey, this is a bad salt rock. This is no good. They just threw it to the side. And that's what Jesus is describing there. If the salt content was so low, you could hardly taste it. It was worth nothing to a salt miner. Worth nothing to someone who needed salt. So I want us to ask this. What does it look like for us to lose our saltiness? As Christians, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, what does it mean? What what would happen for us to lose our saltiness? And I think the idea of filling ourselves with impurities is so helpful here. Right now we are sheltering at home and I joke with my wife, man, we are going to break the internet. Right? We're going we're gonna to break um, Facebook and Instagram because people have nothing else to do. Right? Uh, just check your screen time. See how much it's gone up this week, last week, compared to last month. Right? One way we can lose our saltiness is if we consume everything on Netflix, but never open up our Bibles. Now, I'm not against streaming media. I do it. I watch it. Uh, My wife and I enjoy shows. I'm not saying cut it out and act as if it's the devil. But I'm just saying this. You and I can lose our saltiness if we consume everything but the Bible. Everything but the Bible. If you and I read every article on the coronavirus, have countless conversations with our friends and family members about uh, proper health care, how to stay safe, clean, washing our hands, X, Y, and Z, but we never pray. We never go to God in prayer. We can lose our saltiness if we spend every dollar that we have on our own preservation and completely neglect the needs of others around us. We can lose our saltiness we spend our entire time sheltered at home only consuming the offerings of our secular culture and never considering the things of God never making time to meet him to learn from him to be refreshed encouraged challenged rebuked fed by him if we lose our saltiness we'll lose our passion for God we'll we'll lose our concern for the things of God. If we lose our saltiness, we'll be neglectful, we'll be idle, we'll be indifferent. We'll be indifferent. What does it look like for us to keep our light under a lampshade? That's easy. For a Christian to keep her light, for a Christian to keep his light under a lampshade, that's easy. Say nothing about God. Do nothing for God. Think nothing of God. But I want to challenge you today. Take off your lampshade and let your light shine. Put the name of Jesus on your lips. And so so this is going to be hard because we're all sheltered at home. And so we're like, how am I going to let my light shine for Jesus? How are we going to let the goodness of Jesus shine when all I can do is stay within my whatever, my room, my living room, my kitchen, the four walls around my house? How do I do that? 
Would you consider ways to, to talk about Jesus? Whether it's through a, a video chat with friends or a community group, join in a prayer meeting. We're gonna have a, a series of prayer meetings starting this Saturday uh, and, and onward. Pray with one another. We don't have to do that physically in one another's presence. We can do that over the phone. We can do that uh, behind a camera and a Zoom conference. Let the truth of Jesus be on your fingertips as you text, as you message, as you direct, uh, direct message someone. You can encourage people with the goodness of God and the truth of the gospel. Let the worth, let the surpassing worth of Jesus be evident on how you spend your time, your money, and your energy on this season. And if we do those things, even though we're sheltered at home, even though we're no longer on our campuses, in our businesses, frequenting restaurants and able to gather, we will still be letting the light of Christ, our light, shine in the midst of darkness. The final question I have in this text is this, what happens if we actually obey? What happens if we try to be salt and light to a dark and dying world? And the answer is beautiful. It comes from the last verse of our passage. Jesus says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. You see, friends, this is always the goal and the mission of the church, it's discipleship. It's our ultimate aim to lead people into a relationship with God, to lead people to be able to understand, enjoy and embrace the gospel and then give glory to God. But what Jesus is telling us is there's a way to get there. There's a beautiful, practical, powerful way to get there, to fulfill and accomplish the mission of God how to lead a dark and dying world to that place of glory, to that place of life. And Jesus says, it's by being salt and light. It's by being salt and light, by proclaiming the gospel in both word and deed. Brothers and sisters, um, I would love for us to reconsider what it means to reach out to our friends, family, and neighbors in this season. Uh, when we have regular church meetings, it's easy. You just invite people to church. And a lot of times we think, if I invite people to church, that's my evangelism, okay? You don't have that option anymore. You can invite people to log in, you know, give them a link and encourage them in that way. But, but, but that is no longer an option. And so the onus is on you. The onus is on you. How will you with the people that you are in community with, in relationship with, the people in your neighborhood, the people under your roof, the people you are in contact and communication with, how are you going to be salt and light to them? How will you show the good works of God to them in your life? That's such an important purpose. That's such an important reminder that you and I need. Brothers and sisters, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who pastored in Germany uh, during the Second World War, a time where there was definite danger and persecution for Christians and for those who would speak out against the Nazi regime. He wrote this, Flight into the invisible is a denial of the call. 
A community of Jesus, which seeks to hide itself, has ceased to follow him. A community which seeks to hide itself has ceased to follow him. I know that we're all mandated to shelter at home, but I hope that that doesn't mean we hide. It doesn't mean that we hide from others, that we hide from strangers, that we hide from the unknown. I hope that we would still understand and remember that God has given us a purpose, whether it's at home, whether it's in our community doing ordinary things or completely different things, that God has given us a purpose that is constant. You and I, we're salt and light. You and I are called to do good. You and I are called to speak truth. You and I are called to lead people to know God and give him glory. I want you to be proud of our church. I want you to be proud of yourselves. I want us to experience what it means to be salt and light. And so, as I was uh, reflecting a lot about kind of our church in this season, uh, when when I said that in the beginning, that I want you to be proud of our church, I want it to be more than just, hey, all nations, uh, we've done a good job producing streaming worship. Um, man, the band sounds good. The imaging gets better each week. The text boxes are really nice and convenient. We'll like flip one up here and all of that. And, and uh, that was the initial response. Uh, first week, second week, people are just like, man, you guys are doing a great job. If after all this is finished, if that's all we have to show for our church and our ministry, if all we have done is, to, is good quality online production, I think we've failed. I think we've missed the mark. I think we have fallen short of the missional kingdom purpose that God has given us in this season. And so this is why um, this month we're, we're starting a campaign called Love in Action. Love in Action. And uh, what we want to do is use our resources, our financial resources, our human resources, our creative resources to care for three groups. First, we want to care for our community. We know that uh, there are many, even within our church, who are experiencing unemployment, uh, who are being furloughed from their jobs. Uh, Financial strains are real. And we want to to support our church members, any of our church members who are in need, uh, and, our, and our deacons and our mercy ministry will be leading uh, that front. Uh, the second is we want to care for our local community. We want to really shine right now uh, in the city of Sunland, Lakeview Terrace, here in this Tri-Valley area. We want people to know that Christians don't just exist for themselves. We want, to know, we want people to know that All Nations Community Church doesn't just exist for itself like a holy huddle, that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And so we're going to marshal financial resources to give generously, to give abundantly to our local community. We want to partner with local hospitals, clinics. There's a lot of great ideas that are going around and this campaign is going to go towards that. And finally, we want to remember that uh, being a citizen uh, in in the kingdom of God um, means we think globally. Means we think globally. We know that missionaries all around the world have been displaced. We know that there are churches in Italy, churches uh, in Europe, churches in the Middle East that are, that are struggling in this time. Uh, and we want to be part of any relief, support, um, endeavors 
uh, that we can uh, partner with. Uh, we have missionaries who have been displaced and we want to support them and love them. And so these are the three expressions of this campaign, member care, local outreach, global missions. And uh, what we want to do is we want to give. We want to give. Uh, we're going to actually start this campaign from our general funds. Uh, I told our council that uh, this is not a time to just uh, let, our, let our general fund grow because we're not doing as much. We're not buying snacks. We're not funding community groups. We're not hosting retreats or sending people on missions. In a way, the church can save a lot of money in this season. And uh, we said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, we don't want to practice financial hoarding uh, during this season. We want to practice gener- uh, generosity, kingdom stewardship. And so the first end of, uh, the first part of this campaign is going to come from our church general funds. Uh, the second end of this campaign is we want to invite those who are able to give. Uh, those who have means to contribute to this campaign is going to be on our Easy Tithe drop-down menu. We would love for those who are able uh, to give to this campaign knowing where it's going, uh, knowing its heart, knowing its purpose. And uh, for those who are unable to give, would you just partner with us in prayer Would you partner with us with volunteering? If we're going to be uh, sending and spreading out resources throughout our community and throughout our city, we'd love for you to join us and be part of that. Um, But I'm really excited for this campaign. I'm excited for this opportunity that God has given us as a church, not only just to be receivers, not only for us to tread water on our own and just try to like grind out this season, but for us to live purposefully for us to remember our identity as salt and light and to be a blessing to one another, to our community, and to the world. Let's live that out. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace and goodness in our lives. We thank you that through Jesus Christ, you have, you have shown your light into our hearts and into our minds. You have accepted us You've adopted us. You've made us your sons and daughters. And now you've called us to live with purpose. To live in such a way that would shine your light into a dark and dying world. Father, I pray for myself, my family. I pray for our church staff, our leadership, and all of our members. Help us to remember, God, that we have a greater purpose in life than just surviving than just enduring. You have called us to be a blessing unto others. You have called us, God, to lead people to you, into a relationship with you, to give you glory. And so, Lord, I pray that that even after this message, uh, for those who have been listening, for those that you are leading and speaking to, would we again offer ourselves unto you. May we be the clay May you be the potter. May you lead. May we obey. We are yours. Would you use us for your glorious and good purposes? We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.